There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? Well, the latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us. We talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? And I just had no answer for <laughs> He just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. You know. How are you, pal? Right. Good to see you. What's up? Donnell, how are you? Good to see you. Good to see you. I'm all right. You and saw? the beat goes on. By the way, this is not all mine. They send it up from the building every Christmas. So whatever kind of chocolate. If you like chocolate, it's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all kinds of chocolate. I love it. Someone's going to try one first. 
<laughs> what are you, the Pope? I can't wait. He's the Love Pope. Me. You set me up like that, bro. No, he's trying to say right, you're trying to up. poison him. I need 10 minutes. You know what I love about this, Donnell? <laughs> Here's what I love for people who aren't watching this on uh, on the uh, on YouTube. Oh, uh, we're live. Donnell turns live. Donnell turns to the one black man and said, "You try it first. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, you did. But his, the reason why because his eyes were more engaging and his eyes <laughs> spoke more truth. All right, his eyes had more truth. And when I said that statement, everybody looked sideways, so I didn't trust anybody. But the guy that was looking at me right in my face. All right, now we're gonna get we're gonna need a reaction from you. Ready? Oh God! That's my youngest brother, right here. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm just trying to figure it out. I figured out. I know adoption. It was adoption, right? Well, I don't want to adopt my brother. No, yeah. This is no really. No, come on, man. Help me, man. Help me. Look, the Help chocolate me. is kicking in right now. Oh, <laughs> the chocolate is kicking in. I don't uh, believe that. JB. That was a good start. That was a good try. It was a good try. Yep. You're not buying it? Nope. I think it's safe for me to try the chocolate. I'll tell you a wonderful thing, a wonderful story. But JB, we've known each other for years. Mm -hmm. And Philip Wise, also on the show. I've known him for 45 years, something like that. So last Christmas Eve, we invite JB and well, Philip. No, it was a couple of years ago. Was that ago. two years ago already? Yeah. We invite him over to the house for Christmas Eve. So it's the family. That's my son down there. All my, right, bro. My, my wife and my daughter usually, well, my daughter's not here on Fridays, but my wife usually is, but she's up doing some real estate thing or something. But What have you done in your life where you need your whole family at work with you? <laughs> I, I, wanted like, my whole, I wanted my whole family at work with me. I'm just trying to understand it. There's the dog. You don't want to hear about it? The dog is right there. <laughs> There's a dog. We actually yeah. you do you normally usually have a dog oh in God, here. Oh, my God. three dogs in here sometimes. That's that's while getting that trust together. Are you not going to put your headphones oh, in? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Should sorry. I? I've no, he, been, no, I'm just. Uh, Rick's trying to be all humble. I've been, I've been entertained. You've been entertained. Yeah. Okay, so Christmas Eve, Andy's there. Alex, our daughter's there. My son-in-law and their brand new baby. She's like seven months old at the time. There's JB and Philip Wise, who used to play with the New York Jets and the, and the Minnesota Vikings. Black men in America today. They got in a fight. <laughs> We got into a heavy discussion. It was unbelievable. A fight? Like, what type of fight? Like Two black people fight? in the house, and they're fighting. No, is it like a fist fight or like a verbal fight? What any fist fight? It, it was a verbal fight. Oh, yeah, see, fight. white people think fights are different. <laughs> <laughs> we got to the fight, and he said some things that really hurt my feelings. You know what I mean? Like, and we got in the fight. I stabbed him 18 times, son. You know, so you, I need to know what type no, of fight it was. Phillip's almost 70. And you got in a fight with him? And I'm in, I just hit my mid-50s. Right. So we're different generations. Gotcha. I hate how black don't crack. It really pisses me off. Both of these unbelievable. Honestly, black don't crack and Drew gets ooh. That's all I know. Drew gets ooh, baby. But um, somehow we got into a civil rights discussion. We did. <laughs> With a guy in their seventh in their seventies, of course you did. What else you gonna talk about? Exactly right. That's exactly what it was too. Yeah. I went through it all and you went through nothing. nothing. Yeah. And I even looked oh at him and, and said I get it, I understand. Right. You guys did the fighting and my generation was the one right behind you guys who started to benefit from it. Right. Then yeah. But good. that generation is still bitter as hell and mine is kind of like, you can't say over it, but over like it. not over it. But, but I understand exactly what you're saying. It's right. like we get your, your it. Your generation we know it. recognizes the changes yeah, and right. the advancements. But that's whereas, um, yeah. But that's why even when I mean I know this is a topic I've I've talked about it 
on like some urban station or whatever, like with the N word, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a generation whenever they heard that word, it was all negative and it was usually used to hurt you, to be insulting or be, do something nasty. But then you have another generation where it's a um, it's a it's a term of endearment and you use it in the context of showing love to somebody. But if you get someone that's 80 to talk to one someone mm-hmm. that's 40, they're never going to understand. No, that. you in know, and people always and people always say um, they're like um. It's the context. People know the context of words. Well, but I, that doesn't give everyone yeah. the right to use them. Right. In my generation, it was used when a rapper couldn't think of enough syllables to fill a measure. <laughs> exactly. That's my, gener- that's my generation, too. Yeah. Yo, where my niggas is at? Where yeah. my niggas is at? <laughs> we ride here. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's going to get edited, but that's the truth. That's, that's, that's it. But, okay, keep it real. But that, that's the truth of it. It's but on you, every day. That argument, and I, and I always say, even, even with civil rights issues, people that have bad views on people whatever those I tell people all the time those people are just going to die off mm-hmm. yep. and then when they die off they can't teach people those negative things so it's just a matter of time well the, when I first first moved here because I grew up Zero to eighteen in St. Louis. Okay, sorry to hear that, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the pizza's good, man. Emos, Elmos, oh, Emos. You're right. <laughs> but you then what, I, Tony's is really good. But I came here to uh, go to college, right? And I've lived here ever since. And one of you, know, you just you just killed this conversation, but you because you came here with the dream to go to college. That's awesome. Way to go, JB. You <laughs> ruined everything. Kill, why did no, because where I'm from, everything. man, people a lot of people don't have that dream. I'm just saying, but you that just that's you not, started off right. Not killed bad, but like killing it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. But um you know, and I got to meet some of the because I worked I came here to be a student manager for the Thank football you. team. Oh, I thought you said you got to meet me. I, thought <laughs> I got to meet to you that way. Meet you years later. Years later, yeah. yeah. Six years later or something like that. And um You're only twenty four when you met Dad? Yeah. yeah. I was in my twenty yeah. Oh yeah. You guys have known each other that oh, yeah. wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, long yeah, I knew time. it was a long wow. time, yeah. I didn't know it was that long. And so um I'm meeting guys from all over the country on the football team and we had a group of guys from Florida, and they all walked up to me and said, "What's up, my?" And I was like, right. "Excuse me, what happened?" Because <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> yeah. like, was like, "You don't what ever speak happened? that word." Right, right. And, and in Florida, it was like, "What's up, my?" Yeah, and I was like, yeah. "Huh?" <laughs> I tell that story about when I lived in Grand Forks, North Dakota. I, 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 I could not understand the people up in Grand Forks because I grew up in the inner city, so I right. could not understand that yeah. Minnesota accent. And the further north you get, the worse it gets. Right. So like, oh, 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 oh. And I'm like, what? So I ended up living with a black man and his sister, a guy named Victor Treadwell, mm-hmm. in the house, never outside the house, but in the house. He used to refer to me as that. Right. And I didn't call him that. He called me that, but right. only in the house. It was hilarious. But I and and, but I, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll and I'll give you a story. I understand what he meant by that because oh, yeah, I did too. my connection with Chappelle Show, right? People always ask me, say, Daniel, um, how did you get on Chappelle Show? And they thought it was just that I, me and Chappelle's, um, I, I'm trying to explain. This. Well, they they think just because we're both from D.C., I was on the show because of that. Yeah. But Neil Brennan, who was a co-executive producer of the show he saw me years ago he was like a PA for In Living Color where he would go across the country and right. look for talent he just was got to record his stuff and he became a fan of mine from an audition in me in New York so um, he, he he became a fan of mine and he never directed he had wrote three scripts 
that he sold. He was making money. He never directed anything. He wanted to start directing. He didn't have a reel. So he called my manager. He was like, yo, I wrote this um, this short. I want Donnell to be, and I thought he's always been funny, and I just want to do it so I can learn how to edit, blah, blah, blah. First thing he ever directed, right? So at the time, I was on, on the HBO's The Corner, and I think I was doing good good for myself. Yeah. And um, and I said, I know you can't afford to pay me, but when you get a ch- if you ever make it, you get a chance to throw me a bone, throw me a bone. So maybe seven months later, no, a year later, he was. He said, "I'm working on this show. I'll let you know about it. But I want you to be involved with." It. I was like, "What?" He said, "We have a name for it." Then a week later, he called me and said, "I want you to be a part of the show, a Chappelle show." And and Neil Brennan, he was a white guy. Right. He was right. the one that was responsible for introducing me to the Chappelle show. So when people say who your dudes are, I was like, "Yo, Neil Brennan, that's my nigga." You know? Yeah, right, right. You know, right, and that's right. the context. In the which I use it with that, you know. So. I tell you one: Have you seen Three Mics? Neil Brennan the stand up. Yeah, I saw it. Oh man, is that? It sad. was deep. Yeah. Oh, it's that deep. was sad. It's very deep. But that's you know what? It's it's sad. But how many people do projects where they really get naked on stage yeah. and expose themselves one hundred percent? And you do right. that without you do that with knowing that it might not all be funny. No, and it, it, it's therapy. That I think that three mic probably was therapy for him. It was therapy for me because my mother raised seven children by herself. But you know that family, he has like fourteen, like fourteen yeah, brothers, I, and it's so it's, funny because yeah. I got to tell this story. His brother, you know, why did you have to top me? I went to seven. He goes <laughs> no, to no, I, he, they irish you up. <laughs> but yeah, four, no, I got at tell least you he's story. doing it in multiples. Yeah, so, yeah, that's no, right. I got to tell you, sorry, Kevin, um, Kevin Brennan, Neil Brennan's older brother. He started yeah. in comedy first, right? So Kevin Brennan. I was talking to Kevin, and they, their, their, their relationship is so up and down. Oh, so yeah. I was talking to Kevin one time. I was like, yeah. Um, I was talking to Neil, and he said, Neil is dead to me. Oh, no, he said, Neil is dead to me. I was like, what? Oh, he was man. like, Neil is dead to me. I was like, what are you talking about? I was, he said, Neil is dead to me. He said, I deaded him. I was like, you can't dead him. He said, I, he said, I got, he said you know how I many brothers and sisters I got? I could dead anybody if I want, right? <laughs> he said, I dead him. And if you see him, he said, you tell him he's dead to me. Oh, he said, no, he went harder. He said, you tell him he's dead to me. And if you don't tell him he's dead to me, you're dead to me. So we're dealing with two deaths right now, right? Yeah, yeah. So I finally saw Neil, and it was hard. I had I didn't want to get deaded by Kevin Brennan. No, you know what I mean? So I, I saw Neil. I was like, yeah, I talked to Kevin. And he was like, what? He said, I was like, you're dead to him. And I had to tell him, right? And he was like, he laughed it off, whatever, right? Right. So I saw Kevin Brennan two months later. I was like, Kevin, I got to tell you, I saw Neil and I dead him. He said, oh, 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 I undeaded him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you, if you're going to undead the dude, yo, if you're going to undead the dude, you got to let me know. I don't know who's dead around. Now, I'm dead it because I didn't undead him when he undead it. it was just, but that's the story of their life. And I know yeah. they love each other, but they go back and forth all the time. I got the same thing. I got four yeah. brothers and two sisters. Ever and since I was a kid. There's no way. Can you like everybody? No. With no. that many? No. No, I got. I don't like anybody. I got. No. <laughs> I got four. We'll make it even. I don't mess with <laughs> I have two kids and I'm only fond of one of them. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I got four brothers and four sisters and there's days where it's like, yeah. Man, but you then know I, I don't. But you know what? I think as you get older, you know, like what you consider to be faults in people, you just learn to live with it. And, right. then, and then at the end of the day, the bottom line is you love them. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, yes, exactly. And I think you get so frustrated when you're younger because you're like, I need you to be this. 
person. I need you to be that person. Then after a while, you realize that person is who he is. Yeah, right. So what qualities do I like about him? Right. I'll deal with that and other things. So I'm you're not saying have you grow time. more tolerant as you age of people's faults, whereas I we were talking about yeah. this morning. I feel I'm getting less. I told Mordell I'm I'm morphing into him. I'm now just oh, no, no. But it's the people. No, but no, I, but only my the tolerance people. is really going yeah, out the damn window. Out the window for that. I'm talking about the tolerance for people that you love. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. That's enough. what I'm talking Fair about. Enough. Not yeah. just yeah. like a coworker. There's somebody you love. It's like they're not going to be out of my life. They're my blood, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're an asshole right here, but this 10% of this part of them I like, so I'll just focus on that, and you deal with it. We'll take a break. Be right back in two minutes, Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here with CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Great to have you here, Michael. Thanks, Tom. Always a pleasure to be with you. One thing we keep talking about is that North American Banking Company is a community bank. Why is that important? Well, two things. First, as a locally owned and operated bank, We move quickly for our customers when it matters most. You're not waiting for a loan decision to come out of state or making the decision right here at your home. Secondly, our customers appreciate the fact that we get to know them and understand their goals. For many of our customers, we're coaches, mentors, and sometimes sounding boards for their ideas. It's hard to get that from a big bank, but it's something we do just because it's Tuesday. Well, that sounds like a great way to do business. All of our employees are working to help meet your business needs. It's how we create loyalty. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company? A better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. When I hear that song, I could just smell collard greens on the stove. Bacon? Certain songs, you just smell yeah. food. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, all day. All right. All right. I've learned, because I have some Muslim friends, I learned how to do it without it, but it's something about pork and collard greens that go together like peanut butter and jelly, you know? <laughs> it's like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, what do you mean that, you learned to live without it? Because um, I was I was, I was was a Muslim for some part oh, of my life. okay. I was going to yeah. say, it's like, what, you can't find meat. it here? <laughs> no, no, you can find pork anyway. Yeah, you all you got to do is like, where are the white guys hanging out? you definitely going to find <laughs> A handshake, a shoulder. Not, or not if it's a white like, Jewish guy. Hang on, you not the Jews. Yeah. 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 No pork with the Jews. I can tell you where to get a deal on yeah. pork, but and I'll tell you the room. I'll go get that bacon cheeseburger. I'll take a bite out of it, but nobody will see it in public. <laughs> well, it'll happen. You know. Yeah. Sorry. People... See, so you were Muslim for how long? Are you still a Muslim now? No, I retired. Bacon You're took tired. me down. Yeah. Bacon took you down. <laughs> and it was because, like, my dad. I was telling you off, off, off air. My dad was like a 
like a dope dealer mm-hmm. all our life and when he was in prison you know when he's, his prison is a place where some people really get in touch with religion mm-hmm. and then he like became Muslim and then my mom was in love with him and she was like she was raised um, Baptist but she loved him so much that she would like she converted oh, she did. to Islam and then I think it was I don't know which prison term he did but I think my mom was just like she retired <clears throat> you know, retired being a Muslim. Yeah, it was like can't do it anymore. I understand that. You know, there retired are, being there Catholic. are a lot of rules. There are a lot of rules. You got a lot, and of they rules. have like you have to. Um, they do like before they pray, they do this thing called wudu. Wudu is a prayer where they, they, you have to wash your your body, you right, cleanse right, yourself, yeah. everything, and then from the time you finish that process till you kneel down and pray, you can't do anything unpure. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like if you get an erection, you got to go start all over. And Why are you going to look at me when you said no, that? I'm just saying because I know that was the next question you were going to ask. Like, yo, before you pray, can you have a hard penis? That's all I can say I'd never be a Muslim pray. as a kid. No. But, like, there's certain things that, like, forms of impurity. And, like, if you fart, you would have to start. Oh, and it was, that was the ongoing joke. Me and my, my dad always had, we'd be walking, and he'd, he'd, all of a sudden he'd be like, ah, I just broke voodoo. See, that's, so. I, in, in my humble opinion, and this is not a knock on, on, on Muslims, but any religion, I think, that tells you a fart and an erection are not natural and are some kind of dirty deed prior to prayer, I just have a hard time with personally. Well, the Catholic Church comes So what you're close. saying Do is that really? you could go fart and have a heart and pray, on it, pray about it after? I've done that in shul, in synagogue. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I've had both. I want you to do me a favor now. Yeah. I think you can get this done, too. I want you to... You know, unfortunately, Charlie Murphy's no longer with us. All right, I, I my to, brother. I used to love talking to Charlie Murphy. Great dude. Yeah, I talked to him about 200 times, and each time he never knew who I was. No. <laughs> I was like a new person every time I talked to him. <laughs> it's just how he was, right? Yeah. So I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring back black Jesus, but I want to be Jesus. What do you think? We could do that. I mean, Slink, John, Slink Johnson. Oh, he, he was so you have, good. You have to beef with him over it. but He was good. Yo, you know what? We maybe. I mean, this is the idea. You are so fond of that show. We should we should spoof it. Spoof Black Jesus. Yeah, and like you know what? Jesus? Like the networks, the networks said they want to do it anymore, and we got together. We was like, screw it. We're going to do our own Black Jesus. I love Black that. Could be Jesus. the swim. We should do one episode. We should do one fake fake episode. That'll be funny. I loved it when Charlie Murphy walked in and said. I don't know if you know this or not, but we have a two-in rule after 6 o'clock, <laughs> and it's 6.05. <laughs> One of y'all big ends got to go. <laughs> Charlie, man. That was very he funny. He was that super guy. He was. Oh, I God. miss him, man. Me too. Oh, yeah, I Charlie. I'll never forget the night at the, our club up in Canada. He set off the uh, after, <laughs> after after hours, a little after party at the club, and we oh, yeah? set off the smoke alarm. No, oh, man. I can yeah. Was it with a pipe smoke or a cigar smoke? It was just, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. I will, pipe, we at, Tom. Pipe, pipe it is. Pipe it is. <laughs> we were at the, uh, I, I went to his memorial, and me and Dave spoke, and it was just, it was one of those, one of those services where, like, you were, of course you were sad, but you just were happy that you had the memories with him. Mm-hmm. And Dave, yep. da, and da, me and Dave haven't been in the church, and I don't know how long. We didn't even know how to act in there. And the Dave looked at um one of Charlie's kids, and he he wants to say, "You guys are gonna be all right. You guys are in good company. Charlie had good friends." He said, "But your dad, I'm gonna share the sentence that changed my life forever. Is when your dad looked me in my face during lunch and said." I fought Rick James on several occasions. <laughs> <laughs> and it was that moment that I'm Rick James, bitch, bitch. was born. born. And the thing about Wonderful. it, a lot of people don't know, and I respect and love Charlie so much, is that um, 
when we did Chappelle's show, Rick James sketch, Comedy Central didn't think it was funny. They did. They, didn't think they thought was, it was too long. What was not funny? They, the Rick James this is, sketch. And this is, I mean, they oh thought God. it was. They thought the sketch yeah. was too long because there was there was never a sketch show where you had one sketch for mm. pretty much the whole episode. Right. Thought that it was too long, and they thought that um, um, Charlie Murphy wasn't funny. And little did they know, and it was I was the warm up guy when we did the show, and every time we showed that in in, in the audience. I just felt like something was about to change some lives. Like, mm-hmm. it was so, yep. so explosive. The yep. first time he said, I'm Rick James, bitch. <laughs> and it was just like, pop, pop, pop. It was just like, it was everywhere, man. And a lot of things, people, don't, a thing they don't understand about Charlie. Charlie never did stand-up. And the way he started uh-huh. doing stand-up is because I, he's he's such a tough tough guy. Everybody thinks he's the most. Gang- My dad loves Charlie, most gangster person. And when we was in our roast battles, I used to say, "Yeah, you tough, but you won't get on a microphone." And I knew once I said microphone, it was gonna be like, "Wait, <laughs> you know." And, and this is coming from a guy that's been around the, some of the greatest ever right. doing. I was like, "I know you're not gonna. Um, I know you'll never touch a mic." So after um, the second season of Chappelle Show, we weren't really making a lot of money on Chappelle Show, but we was had some fame. I was like, there's no way we can just be this popular and not make money. So I was like, we got to do a tour. I came up with the idea to do the I'm Rich Bitch tour. At the time of the show, (laughs) um, me and Charlie was like, outside of day, we were the biggest names on the show. But I wanted the show to be dope. Bill Burr, at that time, Bill Burr probably was uh, $800,000 weekend headliner. Not discredit him because he was bubbling. He was about to Mm -hmm. pop. Right. But he wasn't the draw. But I was like, I want the show to be banging. Got, um... Uh, Bill Burr on the show. Charlie Murphy never had any stand-up experience. So I, finally, he went to an open mic with me. He went for the first time. All we needed him to do was like five or ten minutes. And during that time, we we went out. We went out for a year. We were selling out everywhere. And Charlie started to get his voice. You know what I'm saying? And he went like people were being really critical of him, like because of course they're going to try to compare you to your brother. Right. That's never going to be said. But they didn't know that he was his own man. He was his own style. And I will say, I don't know if anybody can imagine how it feels to basically be selling out across the country as an open micer. You know yeah, what I'm saying? that's right. And yeah, everything you're learning is not in no seedy spot where it's like but, 10 people. Like, you're yeah. learning it in front of some of the biggest crowds. And within a year, he he started to grow. He honed his craft, he, dude. And not only did he hone his craft, but then he started taking it so seriously that the second and third times he'd come back to your venues, your yeah. clubs, he was turning over new shows. Like yes. He didn't want to be one of those guys that just wrote that first 45, mm-hmm. rested on those laurels, and then... You know, collected and did and, his and thing. it's tough just to be able to. to the first thing people do, oh, he's no Eddie Murphy, so and so, and Charlie Murphy Different. for years. Charlie Murphy. And this is what I respect about Charlie's relationship with Chappelle Show, and what Chappelle Show did for his name. Before, all you heard of Charlie Murphy, like if you first heard, we made jokes about it. Eddie Murphy's brother, Eddie Murphy's brother, and then when Charlie passed away, and one thing I respect and I love about their relationship with the show is that nobody said Eddie Murphy's brother passed away. Everybody yeah. said Charlie, Charlie. Murphy. There, there's two things that popped in my head from your conversation. One was um, <clears throat> just um, I was just listening to some of Eddie's old stuff recently. Right. And I could hear 
Charlie clearly in some Eddie stuff. But you so. got you know what? And this is it's so funny you said that because I've been around their family, the mm-hmm. closest people that they love, and you can tell, and just by being around them, you can tell in the household Charlie was the funniest but, one, right? Yeah. But he oh, had yeah. different plans. Yep. You could yep. tell, and you could tell that Eddie probably used to look up to him like, right. oh, but and you also knew that Eddie was a performer. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Charlie was like, instead of working a joke, he probably wanted to go rob somebody. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. But well, Eddie probably Charlie was... Charlie that actually... I, I think Charlie used to tell us the story that he got Eddie to do this first set, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He, um, he took him... Um, they said... Um, Eddie did it. It, uh, it was a gong show. It was a, 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 right. a gong show thing. Eddie was like, well, probably like 15 or 16. And he said, Charlie was like, yo, Eddie, they got a gong show thing over there. You should, uh, you should go over there and just go get that money. Because he just knew his brother was so dope that all he had to do was just go. And Eddie went there. He did some impression. He said, yeah, do your impression. Do this and just get that money. And Eddie Murphy went there that night, and that birthed Eddie Murphy's career. And then the other thing that popped in my head was it took me a long time to realize that Bill Burr was the commentator oh, yeah. for the uh, World Series of Dice. The right. racial draft. The and racial did, draft. And Bill, and Bill did some other thing he did on Dude's Night Out. It was like that time, and Dave was like, the people on that show was like, the people that on the first two seasons of that show were people that Dave respected. It wasn't a casting agency. It was just like, yo, I hung out with you before. Yo, let's do something dope. Let's do something dope. And Bill Burr at the time, Bill Burr was bubbling. You know what I mean? Bill Burr, right. he got some pieces on Chappelle show, but he already saw where he was going to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, and right now, he's one of the biggest he biggest go. headliners. He's huge Massive. now. And you can see it. And like, I was lucky enough to be able to do a tour with Charlie Murphy, Bill Burr, where I was headlining. And I tell Man. people all the time, I'm like, you want to talk about following somebody, try coming behind Chappelle's show, the hottest thing you ever heard on this, Charlie Murphy, Charlie Murphy. Oh, yeah. From oh, that... Yeah. To start the show, to Bill Burr just demolishing a room, yep. and like every show we did, Bill was on. At the end, when he got on stage, you could have really just said good night, everybody. And every night, I had to come behind Bill Burr and still find a place to take that show. I there was no night that I could be off. No, Not I understand. One night. I understand and that. Absolutely. It makes you strong. But I mean, you're a hell of an actor too. And that, Thank you. The way you think, I had to. As an actor, had to enter into that, I would think. Yeah. I, if I have to change a little bit who I am because of where he left me, I gotta act got like that, I, I, I right. can. I'm funnier. Yep. Or can not not even funnier, but just. I know what you're saying. It's, you it's, can a, hold it's your transfer. Up. It's transfer the energy. Keep it going. Because people always try to say, "Can you follow?" I think if you know how to transfer the energy, you can follow anybody. When it gets in your psyche, like, "Oh my God, what they just did," but it's just like it's surfing. If you you got to know how to ride that wave. Yeah, you got to ride the wave. Absolutely. Yep. Is it true that nobody else knows that Baltimore story about the wire? I'm telling you, like I'm the only person that knows that story. No, like it's almost. It feels <laughs> like it's a it's an inside story, because people would always ask me, like, yeah, man, they switched. They sw- if you saw, it was like a total reversal. It went from the 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 towers to the docks, and it was just because of yeah. what you said. It was like the Baltimore tourism boy was like, come on, man, enough is enough. Because you know, right. have you ever watched the series The Corner? Yeah, I was in the corner. I played a lot of people didn't wreck. I'm yeah, glad I know they didn't. Who you are, actually. I play. <laughs> a lot of people don't. I mean, like, I was a heroin addict. That's not true. <laughs> yeah. No, like, a lot of people, when they go back, they're like, whoa, I didn't know it because. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I played a I heroin see. I hope yeah. I don't look like a regular. Like, <laughs> oh, you look like, I, have some I recognize you immediately. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. look just like a heroin addict. But um, that, that was the, the wire was a spinoff of The Corner. The right. Corner, yep. uh, Charles Dutton directed it, won like three Emmys. 
But that story was so dark, it was hard just to, you can't just have a story centered around the um, heroin addiction because it's going to be the same story. It's too dark. So The Wire yep. was a spinoff of that. In fact, if you like look at it, it's so many people that were in the corner that flipped their roles and did stuff on The Wire. And one thing I say about David Simon, they, when you talk about loyalty and family, mm-hmm. they keep that base of the group of actors like close by them. You know, it's so interesting about that story because I did hear the, the finish. We are, we are part of a, an Italian restaurant down the block here, and David Simon, when he's in town, wanted to go, and there was no room. Right. So I just, I don't know how he can, I don't even know how he found me, but, you know, we got him in, and it was all, that's where I heard that story. He, there was an addition. You heard it from him. Yeah. See, that you know, that makes sense. That's all, yeah. who else is going to tell it? See, so I never watched the series, but, oh, the, funniest, but the funniest thing to me in hearing you recant it is you're calling it, uh, that it was Baltimore tourism that got the, that got it. And to me, when you You'll hear the term this. Baltimore tourism, it almost sounds like an oxymoron. <laughs> I'll be it's like saying nice to pay. It's just so like two words. See, I, you know, now this story makes so much yeah, sense right. because you heard it from his mouth. He told me that, that he ended up having to meet with the mayor. He said, you can't make Baltimore look this bad. You can't do it. And David said, okay, well, I'll just move it to another city. And the mayor said, yeah, okay, I appreciate that. But you have to understand something, Mr. Mayor. I'm still going to say it's Baltimore. Right. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. And, and you're about to lose a lot of revenue and, and work and right. tax dollars you know, in your so own you damn city. No this is so funny. When I got, when that's I got, hilarious. When I got that role to be um, on the corner, um, Jackie Brown Carmen, she was a big uh, casting agent in New York, and she brought me in for the audition, and I was nervous as hell, and I was messing up. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And she was like, Donnell, just relax. God is in the room. You'll be okay. And for some reason, I calmed down. I'd read my lines. I still didn't think I had a great audition. I booked it, and I was confused. I was like, what happened? And I talked to David Simon. I was like, how did I get this role? I don't think I had a great audition. He said, we liked that you didn't feed into the stereotype of a heroin addict. Right. And you were yourself. Because I didn't read the whole script to see that it was a heroin addict. It just seemed like a cool dude on the block. Mm-hmm. And that's what they wanted. They wanted, this, you know, like, and I know everybody else that went in, they were going there like, yeah, man. They was doing a nod. They was like, right. next, next, next. And and that's what got me rolling. That's what built the relationship with David Simon and the whole HBO crew. And it was awesome. For me to be able to, I was watching one of those, uh, looking at the magazine, Entertainment Weekly or something. They had ranked like the top 100 shows of all time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Chappelle was, um, it came in like, 39th or something. Uh, this is a crazy list. It's a huge list. God, and then God The me. Wire was up in like the 10, but I felt so happy knowing that I was a part of what people consider two of the best oh, television yeah. shows of all time. Well, it's true because yep. they were. Yep. We'll be back in about two minutes, Tom, but aren't you? Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. 
Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. Sometimes I feel I've got to run away. I've got to get away from the pain. I really think you should do Black Jesus. <laughs> you know, I tell you, that would be so funny, man. And it's like a bootleg version, like. You really like the show that much, you don't want to see it. Loved it. And nobody black wants to do Black Jesus anymore or whatever, and you do it. It would be, I'm telling you, that's <laughs> a winner, huge. man. That you would know be what? funny. I, Miss Tootie, on that show, when she came A home, white dude would be, I, I'm sorry, I know, I'm just no, telling you. That's what I was thinking. A white dude would be a black being Jesus black, is hilarious. Jesus be you're, and it's, I'm, I'm not gonna keep going into it, but especially <laughs> because of your because of your background, I'm saying it just makes yeah, it'll be great. It makes so much sense for you, not any white person. And you get, it makes sense for you to be black Jesus. It can't be over the top either, like you know some of these suburban uh, white guys when they man, start, just put you in a robe yeah, and just be it. yourself. I was being a robe. You are black Jesus. You gotta get it done. You really are. Well, he, get it done. He did radio in Florida, and they thought he was. Black. Oh, they thought I was black and, from the day um, one. Man, that's okay. I mean, First I'm telling you, my 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 my, my <laughs> creative comedy mind is just spinning. Oh, I'm telling and you, man, I'm telling be, you, Black Jesus huge. is so funny. Black Jesus starring Tom Bernard. <laughs> yeah, like, wait a minute, he's a white guy. <laughs> oh my god, but he doesn't know that. So it's never mind. almost like the watermelon man. So, <laughs> <laughs> so did the um, network kill Black Jesus? I really don't oh, know the story behind God, that. I love oh, okay. it. Which makes it the Jews a guess. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I think sometimes uh, things run their course, and like, I don't think people like are interested in having like a show on forever. Now no, it's just not like, anymore. let me That's stick right. and move and keep it. You know what I mean? I don't know. Black Jesus, be yeah. unbelievable. It was a good time. I did an episode of. It. I played um, what did I play? I played the Grant or so. It was a Christmas special. I'm gonna Google it. Yeah, I was. I did one episode. God, I loved it. I, I never missed an episode, and I, I would introduce people to it. It's so, you know, what that set when I worked in it, it remind, it kind of reminded me of like on the Chappelle show. It was just, it just felt like everybody liked each other. Everybody like was fans of each other, and everybody worked to make it good and fun. That yeah, just so like I'm in my trailer now. It was just like it was just like felt right. family. It felt family. Isn't that wonderful? That's, so, and that's hard to get that. Stopped the show. <clears throat> yeah. So how many it people? Broke my heart. How many people yell these two lines at you? Huh? Everyone. <laughs> Everybody. I'm rich, yeah. bitch. Right. I'm rich, bitch. And, uh, or call you Ashy Larry. Oh, my God. It's in the same <laughs> sentence. Love Ashy Larry. That, it's in the same sentence everywhere. I, I'll be, as a club owner, that's how we're pitching it in social media. It's <laughs> always like, it's and not and Rawlings, a, Ashy Larry from the Chappelle Show. And I'm not like one of those actors like, oh, don't call me, I've had so-and-so work. Like, oh, God. You know, it's so hard to Take be recognized. Pride in it, that. It's so hard to be recognized for anything in this business. So if it's something people connect, you got to just go with it. Dude, at the end of the day, you now have a claim to fame that's, that is, I mean, his last day. Forever. It. forever. I've had weird moments where I was dating this challenge chick one time, and she was from money. She was already loaded, right? 
and we were walking down the street, and she didn't really, she was in the Peace Corps. How we met is so strange. She was in the Peace Corps, didn't really know who or what I did. And we were walking down the street one day, and somebody was like, I'm rich, bitch. And she said, me too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that was before me too was negative. You know what I'm saying? That was just like, and it was so funny. It was so funny, and it was honest. And But I, like with that, I never get upset about it. You know what I mean? It's something like. Why would you? Like cause some people, some people have just crazy. I know it's crazy. I'm attitude. not that anymore. It's like I'll I feel like um, Jason Alexander. Uh, I'm sure he hears uh, George yeah. Costanza quotes. I mean, I'm sure yeah, he doesn't probably. love that because he did get typecast real hard. Yeah, real but hard. okay, get typecast after you made millions off of the side. <laughs> well, like, that's not a time to be typecast. Still, currently, what are you yeah. talking? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. still oh. a cash cow. He's set there. for life. Huge. And then, like you know, another twenty, thirty lives. <clears throat> yeah. That was back when Man, Dave Chappelle said something at my birthday party. I don't know. Is there any way I could play some audio for something? If you got it, we yeah. can play it. What do you, like, what do you got to... Um, Andy, you know that. Um, yeah, Mike Andy. will be able to plug your phone in once he gets back. I don't know yeah, I'm a, I, and, I mean, Yeah, I got He's it. He's Sicilian, though. He might not ever come back. No? <laughs> That's how he is. They spawned by... Oh, I'm never going to do that. Remember? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> From they the true man, baby. Yeah. Can you yeah. tell... And that, after, right after that. Paya! Can you tell that we're all comfortable... Discussing race, you know what stereotypes. Yeah, in this room. and the reason why you know why <clears throat> is because your discussion your, and your conversation is it, it doesn't come from a nasty or no. or ill. Well, mine does. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. It doesn't come with a fat. You can look but he at somebody hates everyone. Face. Yeah, but I hate everybody. Yeah. Oh, then that's even. All right, shout no, out to the Chinese. I mean, you know, <laughs> the day I met him was at a basketball. That's right. College basketball game, and he invited me on his radio show that day. I did. I didn't come in, but he invited me on that day. Well, I mean, I'm not look. I wasn't looking at being radio. I was right. finishing up college and it just whatnot. Happened. Yeah. And that's how. It, that's when I did radio. I did three stints on morning shows, and they were all because someone had just got fired. So I would come and just fill in, and they was like, "Oh, we might can have something popping." All three times, that's how I got the job. And all three times, I got fired from those jobs. <laughs> and they say you're nobody in radio unless you've been fired three times. That's no. what I've heard. Well, I've been at this job now for 32 years. You never job. been fired? I've been. I got fired a lot before this job. Yeah, in, in the radio world or before radio? Yeah, I've, I've been in radio actually for 47 years, and I got fired a lot the first uh, 15 years. Nobody does that. Does what? Who is in radio that? Who's who's Nobody. next to you? Tom Joyner, mate. Tom Joyner, yeah, he's been a long time. He probably got like 40. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, but probably. that's crazy. But that's it's, crazy. It's hilarious. He stood the storm. With PBMs and all of that stuff, yeah. he's still standing. PBMs. Different, I remember diaries. Yeah, I do too, man. I and love And once diaries. they went from diaries to PBMs, the black radio just went to like a a playlist. Yeah. They no, didn't that's think right. that they they radio black radio thought that the only thing that you can engage the audience with is with music. Mm -hmm. So like I remember I did some shows like in an hour we may have two talk breaks, three talk breaks, and nobody thought their personalities were strong enough for people just to listen for the personalities. They thought they'd just listen to music and that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why black radio is like is dying. Yeah, well, they got to keep an eye on, on what they should allow on all channels. Doesn't matter what the format is. Talk is the only thing that's going to keep radio. Agreed. Alive. But they don't think anybody's no, interesting enough. You know what I'm saying? But if you look at it, you on same, radio are not going to be interesting. It'd be phenomenal. No, me. Radio. What I'm saying, me. Right, right. But there's not a lot of me's. You know what I'm saying? Like no, I would I be great, but no, then you but have a lot of people that aren't great. So they rely on they re, they rely on like we're giving away thirty thousand dollars in two minutes. You right. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They rely on that because their personality is not strong enough to do it. You you just, there's nothing interesting. You just reminded me of growing up in the neighborhood. 
neighborhood. You know how, what you did just now remind me of growing up. What you went? Well, yeah, I'd be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. I'm like, you know, you, yeah, I'd be. I don't know about the other people, but me. Yeah, I just had to. Be. And it was an honest 40, 47 moment. Forty-seven years. That's pretty good. But I'm fantastic <laughs> yeah. on the radio. But that's not just me saying it, though, man. It's just not me saying it. I'm just echoing. That. I'm just echoing what people feel, no, man. No, no, you're absolutely you know? right. You're and absolutely I really right. want to get, but it's not a lot of. I, I like. I really miss doing morning radio. I would jump on another opportunity to do more. No, you radio. wouldn't. You are I not would. prepared to be up at 3.30 in the morning. Yo, let me tell you something. I wouldn't night. be up. At, I just wouldn't go to sleep. <laughs> I get it. I Andy, balance it. my son, same story. Yeah, I, I, I go to sleep, sleep at like 5 a.m. if I can. No, but I, the reason, but the reason well, I would, I, if I know I have to be up that early, then I'm not going to pull the times that I do now. But yeah, I used to do yeah. radio. I loved doing it. But I said it was different times. It was in New York. And it was always... That up in the air thing, like, all right, I'm out. Do I stay all the way yeah, out? Yeah, you right. never know. Or what I do? So a lot of times I was in the green room. They had to wake me up to go to work, yeah. but I was at work. Are we gonna Are we gonna set up that audio? They're trying to. It's the new iPhone, and remember how they removed the headphone jack? Oh yeah, that's yeah, right. You I gotta go he's gonna He's gonna get it on his phone and then play it that way. Yeah. I forgot all about that. They They you have to have that um. I know adapter. that's the dumbest. Right, like why? And I was looking like, what's taking it so long? I'm like, all you gotta do is plug it in. But yeah. Why remove the headphone jack? I don't get it. Why did they? I don't know because. That's I mean, what... we have Google. We can Google. That's a good question. Why did they remove the headphone jacks with the iPhones? <laughs> Google so we can sell them some know. other stuff. Well, the saddest thing, uh, at work, I walk, work across the hall from the IT group, and they said there are clowns who are sending out emails to people telling you you can drill your hole, oh. your own hole, into your your new iPhone. Yeah, that's yeah. a good idea. For what? Oh, oh to, to do to, that? Yeah. Of course it ruins the phone. It ruins yeah. the phone, but other than that. Right. Well, if someone believes that, should they be allowed to have a phone now? <laughs> or breathe? Not. They're going to no, that's the themselves. same person needs a new iPhone because they changed the color. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, this one is better. Why? Because the black one yeah. is better than the white one. Mm-hmm. That, that sounded racist. That sounded... That really sounded <laughs> yeah, terrible. Going back although, to black although, radio, although guys, I got a black phone. Yeah, yeah, you got a black one. But the Asian one works especially well. I'll tell you very quickly before he fires that up. So huh? very, my very first break on the radio, I was like 18 years old, just, you know, been kicked out of every school I've ever been in. Quit high school when I was in 10th grade, went to college for one day. And then I went to broadcasting school and they kicked me out of there seven times. And the guy says to me, look, there's a job at a 500-watt daytimer over in St. Paul. Nobody else wants the job, but if you want the job, you can have it. Right. So I go over there and then I find out it's a country station. Country and Western station. Right. So I go on and I do the first break and go, uh, here's uh, Dolly Parton. <laughs> And the phone just blows up. The phone's just ringing off the hook. I'm like, hey, they think I'm really, really wonderful. <laughs> right. KDAN, the guy goes, get that big N off the air. <laughs> and that was the before video. I ever took. Yo, that was before video or anything. Like, no, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. That's funny. Yeah, it was the first call I ever took in radio. A guy called me the big N. Wow. But that, well, how did that, but is, was that the birth of it and everything worked out from there? Or you just yeah, I, I just, you know. What happened was I bounced around a little bit, and then there was a station uh, over in St. Paul, KSTP. It was an AM station at that time, and uh, they were blowing up. And I called a guy like 85 times and said, look, I'll run the Jesus tapes on Sunday, whatever you got. You know the old deal. You work and work and work and work, and finally it catches. Yeah, that's the old deal. People don't have those. They don't think like that anymore. They don't. Throw blows. What y'all mean? Literally. 
Is that not the right one? Let me see. <laughs> Donnell's headed over there. Let me handle this. Which one did you send? Did you send? You got it. No, not that one. That's ah, that's ah, the first one. We might have heard some interesting no, no, stuff no, if we one. kept that going. <laughs> No, that was a good one, too, but this one, I mean, I mean we could double up on them, you know. Now, this is, I'll set this up before I get out of here. Actually, I just watched this, and uh, it's a really nice piece. Uh, Donnell just recently celebrated his birthday and had a big bash out in L.A., and uh, Dave got up on stage and uh, had some uh, really, really quite beautiful words. I mean, stuff. Really? He's a really eloquent speaker, and I mean, I've only had the a privilege of meeting Dave a handful of times, and... Just uh, and Donnell and I were talking about this while driving here. He's just mm -hmm. always been one of the most genuine people and uh, yeah. really easy to talk to and, and very articulate, very intelligent, very well-read, knows certainly what's going on politically, uh, knows what's going on geographically. I mean, he's just a sharp cat, and uh, it was really a, a nice thing, uh, a, a nice moment. And it was him. And it was him. It, 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 you don't moments. understand how hard it is to be a headphones on. Yeah. You don't understand the fucking disappointments that go along with it. And then even though you get disappointed, you get your heart broken, things don't go the way you want them to, you still get out on that stage every night and you say, waka, waka. <laughs> now, let me tell you something. I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm only 44. This motherfucker has the enthusiasm of a child for 25 years straight. This motherfucker is the man. Just when I did, and just when I thought we had reached the bottom of the well, he had his first son, and I knew his well went so much deeper. Yeah. I work on this guy with this guy on the road, night after night. He keeps me in line. I get tired. He says, "Dave, man, look what the fuck we're doing." And his excitement, I borrow his eyes, and I look at my own life, and I say, "This is not a bad life." Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, but I, that surprised me because I didn't even think he knew me. <laughs> he like this. I'm gonna cut my voice in. Give it up for Black Jesus, everybody. <laughs> That's right. No, uh, but it was just like, and it wasn't that, that wasn't self-serving. It was just like the no, thing that came no, the no, most no. for mm -hmm. me was like what it takes, and like people don't understand that. You know, they see you when they see you. People don't. A lot of times they don't see all the work and everything it took for you to get to a certain place, and it is tough. But at the end of the day, like you said, it's not a bad life. Oh, it's a great life, no question. Tom here from my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? Well, the latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. 
and have been for a long time. Very, very successful, no question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say, why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer. For <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Pretty interesting. Those are the conversations that specifically I wanted to come to have with you. I wanted to be able to talk about the kind of stuff that you would normally have a conversation about off the air because it's not the format for it. So so being able to talk to you in this format and say, you know, you, you have a very interesting perspective because you've had so many people sit in front of you yeah, 34 and, years now. and you also have a, uh, you know, there's, there's needs that you need to have met for your audience. You know, you, you, you want to make sure a guest comes in and is yep. entertaining. So not a lot of people know that there's, from your point of view, you want your guests to come in and take over and make your job easy and, and entertain your audience. And not mm-hmm. a lot of comedians, surprisingly get that. No, or, or, can that, that. or can, can do, do that. Or can do that, right. yeah. yeah. And it's for a variety of reasons. There's comedians who don't want to burn their material yeah. or um, yeah. or they want to be interviewed. They don't want to be funny on the air. They want to be interviewed. and that's Which is what I do anyway. I don't ever ask them to do their act. No. Yeah. Ever. I don't ever do that. Just whatever you want to talk about, I'm here to moderate it and, uh, and we're, we're good to go. So, yeah, I don't have any problem with that at all. Was there ever anybody who came in who, and this might not even necessarily be comedian-wise, but what I think is really interesting is in my time working in radio is I got to meet a lot of people who I love and admire and, and respect. And and sometimes they didn't meet my expectations when I got to meet them. On the yeah. flip side of yeah. that, there were people who I had little or no respect for, or I just didn't even really think twice about a certain individual that would come on a show, and I'd go, man, that guy was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anybody that fits that category where you weren't necessarily a fan or didn't know much about them, and then they just blew your socks off? God, I, let me think about that because, I, you know, I was thinking about people I didn't like and then people I really liked. Okay, then let's let's start someone. with that, that first question was really who over the years, because you've talked to almost mm-hmm. everyone in comedy, who yeah, are your yeah. favorite comedians that you ever had on and why My did you like them? comedians? Yeah. No, we, we have to set aside Louis Anderson and Nick Swartz and the local guys. Of course. set them aside because we become lifelong friends, yep. so that doesn't count. But, um, my God, there's so many. That's the whole problem. I love comedy. Love comedians, love comedy. So it's pretty tough to pick. There are some digits. Well, from the first time you came in, I loved working with you because Mm -hmm. you do so many different things. You have a different perspective. You're happy to do it. You're excited about (laughs) doing it. That's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were just just talking about Bob Rivers. Uh, Two years ago, Catherine and I went to dinner down in Boca Raton, Florida, with Bob Rivers, Paul Castronovo from in oh Miami, yeah, of course, brother Weez. Oh my God! And and our wives. Wow, that was one interesting night for Catherine. I'll tell you if, if you don't know these names in these markets, he just named <laughs> yeah. a, a king of Seattle, a king of Miami, and a and um the guy who arguably 
maybe the mayor of Rochester, yeah, Brother yeah. Weez. You're he right. is. You're he right. is. I've hung out with him in the city of Rochester before. And that was a crazy experience. Everywhere yeah, he was. went, he was, you know, constantly shaking hands, kissing babies. and um, But, yeah, so you're you're having dinner with these guys in Boca Raton. It was and- phenomenal. <laughs> Catherine's like, oh, my God. I know. It was just exhausting. <laughs> my favorite, Paul Castrillo, because Paul and I have known each other for years now. And I've known Bob for a few years now. And I just met Brother Weez that, that first time. That's the first time I ever met him. But Paul Castronovo, we were on a, a, a panel last year in Chicago. The, the four radio people who've been on the air for over 30 years. I, well, they referred to it as the Legends panel. I was there. Yeah, I'm not, I actually sat in the audience I'm, for that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not using the Legends. Yeah, it, it, was, it was the Radio Legends panel, and I, I was in the audience for that. One of the greatest parts of it is is, is uh, Steve Dahl yep. uh, kind of kind of went after Paul Castronovo because Paul was on his show and and Dahl hung up on him a few years earlier. Oh, I didn't know and this. He, and he, he brought it up and Castronovo brought it up on the panel and Dahl was very open about it. And Lamont, you know, from... Uh, yeah, Lamont and Tonelli out in San Francisco. And Lamont was the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. Great guy. <laughs> so we're sitting up there and the place is absolutely jammed and Steve Dahl says... Yeah, I just I just didn't like your attitude. I didn't like the way you treated me. I didn't like the way you just comport yourself. And I said, he's Italian. What do you think he was going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and Castanova looks at me like, what? <laughs> that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Was yeah, it's um, uh, it's funny to, to hear radio guys, um, uh, as a comedian, to hear about those experiences. And also, I started in 1993 in radio, and... Everyone I met in radio, actually, everyone I met in radio and comedy told me the same thing. Everyone said, you just missed it. Like, it, it was such a party right before you got here. <laughs> it was, we, we did coke at work. We uh, invited listeners to come in and, and have sex. We, we did everything here right before you got here. And then at the comedy clubs, I would hear that uh, it was a common thing to hear at the end of a week working at a comedy club in the 80s do you want to get paid oh, in green or white yeah. Oh. yeah oh yeah you get paid money or you get paid in coke and uh, <laughs> it, that was insane to me um yes i could see that and uh so i i, I apparently just missed the party and it's probably a good thing i was literally just about to say the same thing it, it would have killed me um because i i you know i already damaged myself enough to get to where I had to just stop and go, all right, I, I can't live this way anymore. But um, uh, but I think it's really interesting. So, um, you know, Louis, obviously, Nick are, are great comedians. Yep. Is there anyone that stands out in your mind that you just had a difficult time with that was a stand-up comedian there on the air? There are two of them, actually. Okay. And I can't remember. This, it makes me sad. I can't remember his last name, but he was on Saturday Night Live. His name was Rich, but I can't remember his last name. Are you sure it wasn't Rob Schneider? Was not Rob. I get along with really okay. well because Rob. If yeah. I can just tell you quickly, yeah, uh, Rob is notorious for being grumpy. Yeah, he's never been grumpy with me. <laughs> okay, matter of fact, I have his phone number. He gave me his phone number. He okay, call anytime. But you know the reputation. Yes. Okay. I, do. I absolutely. I did do. a radio row with friends of mine at the Grammys <laughs> once. Uh, it was a pre-Grammy radio row, and I had multiple friends call me and say, "Hey, we're broadcasting." They were broadcasting in Los Angeles from Radio Row. I live in Los. Los Angeles, can you come down and join us and just have some 
fun. Mm -hmm. So by the time Rob Schneider walks over to this table, I am just locked into being just Tracy Morgan on the air. I'm just, I'm right. just, uh, hey, we're broadcasting live back to St. Louis, and we're being joined by Tracy Morgan and blah blah blah. So Rob Schneider comes over, and they go, hey, Tracy, I'm the host. This is my co-host, and this is Tracy Morgan. And I go, hey, what's happening, white people, or whatever I say. Right, right. You know, this Rob Schneider's making me horny. That's crazy. <laughs> and, then, uh, and Rob stops, looks at me, and goes, wow, that's. He, he kind of smiles and he goes, man, that, you know, it kind of gives me a, a nod like, wow, I like that. And my buddy asked him a question that hit Rob the uh, wrong way. Oh, yeah. He can be really difficult. And, Not with me ever, though. It'd and be great. Rob and my buddy start going back and forth. It escalates quickly Whoops. to where Rob stands up and shouts out. F you. Whoa. I will kick your ass if you keep asking me about that. And they go, man, we're sorry. We're just trying to ask you about this question. And Rob goes, no, F you, F you, F you. Then he turns and looks at me and goes, it's a good Tracy Morgan. And he walks away. <laughs> and my buddies go, man. What an a hole! And I went, no doubt about and I it. went. I don't know. I, I thought he was pretty nice. <laughs> he complimented me before he walked away. No, so all right. So there was a guy named Rick. He was on okay. the podcast Who when was? you felt bad. You were sick. Who was Rob? No, but he and I hit it off really, really well. And he was, he's call, calls he, into the show once in a while. He's terrific. Yeah, and he was involved. He's involved in some sort of vitamin. Company. Okay. And he was trying to get Tom to take some vitamins. So he oh, he was. Better. He wanted me to take vitamins. <laughs> really? I was yeah, you, about, you were like so sick. I was. Yeah. You were about to say I need to qualify. Uh, my, my choice for, for the, my two favorite comedians I've ever. One of the things, and I just talked about this again this week, is I've been doing radio now for 48 years. And there wow. was, a, well, there was a, about a five year period in there where I just worked at Capitol Records. So it hasn't been 48 years straight, but it has been 34 years on the KQ Morning Show. Okay. So I do have to qualify something that when I first started meeting all these people, um, I was floored by the fact, like, I get to sit down and talk to all these people. Of course. It was unbelievable. So I got to, you know, just because of who they, they were, they're no longer with us. But to interview Rodney Dangerfield oh my God. and Don Rickles was unbelievable. Yeah. It was unbelievable. I made Don Rickles cry. We were just talking about this this morning. Because I, well, I just talked about it in here. With, Last hour. Here. Last mm -hmm. hour. Uh, that I, that, you know, that I, I said, hey, you know, I saw you on Run for Your Life with Ben Gazzari playing that character Willie Hatch. And everybody hated the comedian. And he has a nervous breakdown at the end. I said, that was some great acting, Don. And he teared up and said, that's so nice of you to say that. Hmm. He just, they, it was so sweet. It was unbelievable. And did, then, he, did he bust your balls, too? No, he was. It, it kind of put him in a situation wow. where he just was so grateful that somebody thought he was a good actor. Wow! But he was what a gentleman. And then Rodney Dangerfield was honest to God. Was, <laughs> I found out later in the day after I, I interviewed Rodney that he had been driving down the street in a rental car and he saw this woman and hit on her and tried to get her, you know, to get in the car. It was my wife. Get out of here. <laughs> he did not. Oh, get yes, out he did. He didn't try to get me in the car. Well, he was hitting on But you. he was hitting on you. <laughs> I like that she clarifies. He didn't actually have sex with yeah. me. That's the whole More argument. More than one. That's the whole argument. Wow, Rodney. Uh, I wish I had gotten a chance to work with uh, or just even interact with him. I... I 
got to do an event. They opened a Rodney Dangerfield Institute two years yeah. ago in oh, Los yeah. Angeles where you can learn how to be a comedy writer oh. or a comedy performer. And at the grand opening of the Rodney Dangerfield Institute, we did a there was a live stage performance of Back to School. Right. And Brad Garrett played Rodney's character. Yeah. And yep. Brad Garrett uh, does an amazing Rodney Dangerfield. He does, yeah. And they had Paul like Rodriguez. Brad. They had an all-star cast, and they asked me to read for Professor Turgeson, which was Sam Kinison's uh, oh, character. Oh, yeah. Did and, they want you to do it as Sam? Yeah, they, and I did it as Sam. That's and I actually, phenomenal. I, I got up in Brad Garrett's face and screamed at him and said, Say it! Say it! <laughs> Say it! And Brad and I had never met each other before. He actually booked me within two days. He booked me to headline the Brad Garrett's really? Comedy Club in Vegas. In Vegas, uh, yeah. Wow. In Vegas. Hey. And, uh, yeah. Great he, guy. Man, we got along famously. And um, uh, Sam Kennison, by the way, I know I'm going down multiple rabbit holes <laughs> oh, here. Fine. But good conversation. I always think about moments that I uh, – there's moments that stick out of my mind as, as rare moments that I think, wow, that's really special. There used to be a half-hour show on late night on TV after Carson and after Letterman with Bob Costas used to do a show called Later, yeah, where he I did a 30-minute yep. interview. And everybody that Bob talked to invariably would stop and go, how did you know that? They, yeah. He really seemed to do his homework on these people that he had on. And he had Sam Kinison on his show. And I thought, what the hell is Bob Costas going to know about Sam Kinison? Bob says... Sam, I used to watch you back at the comedy store back in the early 80s. And back then, <laughs> your entire act was yeah. based on that day's obituaries. And I remember thinking, you know what? This guy's brilliant, but he's never going to make it because he's too dark. Hey, what dark? And Sam stopped and went, oh, man. How'd you... Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I used to. Uh... And he explained the bit. And this is dark. Apparently, Sam said, I, I used to go on stage, and uh, be, before I had, had an act, I would say, I would, I would grab the obituaries from that day's newspaper. I go on stage, and I go, I want to thank you guys for coming out tonight. Thanks for supporting stand-up comedy. I'll tell you a couple people that you won't be seeing here tonight. <laughs> and he would start reading off the names of people who just died. I go, like, uh, Esther Goldberg. No, she, she didn't catch the bus. She's not here. But, uh, but apparently, if you want to see Esther's work, you can see it this Sunday oh. at Evergreen. And that, oh. it was insane. Oh. It was so dark. Not it was so, so dark. But Rodney, um, I got to meet uh, Rodney's widow. I got to, Oh, she's a sweetheart. She yeah. is a sweetheart. Yeah. She actually invited me to come over to the family home and showed me... Books and books of Rodney's television appearances. Mm -hmm. He wrote down his sets word for word really? for every set that he did on The Tonight Show. Um, he And the notes were amazing. The very top of the page would say, what a crowd, and in parentheses, times two. Yeah. So he'd go, yeah. what a crowd, what a crowd. <laughs> and he, there was that much thinking that went into what he did. And as I went back and researched the movie to get ready to do the role in the live stage reading, it just hit me how perfect Rodney Dangerfield was. He was oh, God. so relatable. Was amazing. Even to uh, successful people. 
you could relate to this never catching a break and mm -hmm. getting no respect. Right. Yep. You know? You know, it's it, it's interesting that a lot of the Ooh, only time. Take a break here. Can you hold, you I hold it? I hold it. Hold on yeah, this is a good one. Hold my ear to good. <laughs> Ralph Basham in two minutes. Ralph is about to say something shocking <laughs> and outrageous. <laughs> Stay tuned or go to kissonline.com and <laughs> click on my codpiece. I'll tell you what he says. Back in two minutes. Tom Bernard here with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, this is a tough time for businesses, not only in the Twin Cities, but all over right now. Can you tell me a little bit about what North American Banking Company is doing for your customers? Tommy, at the bank, we're helping businesses with all of our tools at our disposal. Lenders are working as long as it takes with our customers to help them through these tough times. We've processed well over 300 loans for customers and funded over $70 million through the SBA's Paycheck Protection Program. Through our payment deferment program, our current customers were able to skip one, two, or even four payments with no penalty. Finally, being a locally owned and operated bank, we're able to move quickly and take action for our customers when they need us most. Why not bank with my banker? God, I can't tell you how great <laughs> it is working with Billski. Did you record that, Andy? Could you send that to me? North American <laughs> Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Now we're talking. Ladies and gentlemen, segment two, Craig Gass in studio. He is at uh, New Hope Cinema Grill Thursday night, two shows Friday night, two shows Saturday, and then he's at the Red Carpet St. Cloud on Sunday for Father's Day. Yeah, for Father's Day, I'm doing uh, all the tickets are available at getgas.com. Getgas with two S's.com. I like it. Ralph Basham was asking a question. Well, off, off air, we were talking about how just how great a comedian uh, Rodney Dangerfield was. And I remember I grew up in a, I grew up in a wasp you know, ultra white uh, household. And I, when I was about 10 or 12 years old, I saw Rodney Dangerfield on the Ed Sullivan show. Oh, man. And I saw this this New York Jew, and I looked at him and I go, this is the best thing I have ever heard in my life. I was a lifelong fan. Yeah. yeah. We were at the Laugh Factory. Oh, this has been set right before, right before he passed. Oh, yeah. At the Laugh Factory. And we're there, we're seeing some comedians, great show. And and uh, the MC says, uh, we have a special guest tonight. We have, we have Rodney Dangerfield. And Rodney Dangerfield's in the crowd. He gets up on stage. He comes up on stage, shorts on, black socks, these <laughs> white <laughs> old, old man shoes at the time. And he, he's got this loose kind of shirt, you know, just really loose, unbuttoned down, you know, three or four buttons, the hair sticking out. 
he's a little disheveled, and he, go, and he goes, and he, he starts warms up the crowd. Yeah, and all of his standard kind of jokes, warms yeah. the crowd up. Yeah. Reaches into his pocket, pulls out a sheet that was torn out of a spiral notebook, spiral oh. ring notebook. Yeah. With jokes he was going to use on The Tonight Show in a couple of nights. Wow. So this man really worked at this craft. I mean, it was, it was like so many professionals. I mean, he had he had written these jokes, and he said, "Well, I got to try these jokes out." Of course, when you when they tell them there, sure. everybody kind of laughs in the audience. But you you want you want to you know move the move the mark. Yeah. So he goes and he reads through these jokes and he hits so many. He hits that timing. He hits that timing. People are laughing. People are laughing. He comes up to the last one. He hits that punchline. There's not a sound in the house. Oh. Not a sound. He looks out. He goes, "Really." He says, I thought that was the best one. Wow. I mean, it was to, to, to just see an insight for someone of that stature right. to expose himself to that vulnerable, be vulnerable yeah. Yeah. to wow. do that. I mean, and how important that, well, how important that is for comedians to do that because Jay Leno worked at the, at the, uh, uh, comedy and magic uh, club in, in Huntington. Yeah. Huntington beach. He did yeah. every week. He did an, I went, I saw him there. He did an hour, hour and a half. Yep. Every Sunday, every Sunday. Yep. You know, it was a. For so pe- people that are really good, really work at it. They're writing, they're thinking, they're trying, they're and then they're retrying, rewriting, and tre- retrying. You know, you, in that process. And I have, in the past, I, comedians I always thought, which, what would that the only job they're reason they're doing this? Because that's the only job they could get. They're right. goofs, goofs in school. No, true. Right. Well, some yeah. of them are like and, that. And, yeah. the, peop- and oh, but yeah. the people I've met who are truly successful really work. And yeah, they have an incredible yeah, work, and they have an and incredible intellect. And that's in every line of work. Yeah. Like you yeah, see, no true. different. I notice that successful people um, in all different formats of the entertainment business, in all the different corners of the entertainment business, are always open to suggestion, and they work really hard at what they do, and they um, uh, and they usually will. Uh, pick up the phone, you know, and it's it's a well, it's I guess not maybe not everybody I can think of, but but they're but it is uh, something they they put energy into and 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 dedicate uh, as a craft. Can I curse on this podcast? Sure. Okay, because I got a big one. <laughs> well, Cassie can edit it. This is also on radio stations around the yeah, state, but edit. she'll she'll edit it before. Okay, it she can edit. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do remember being at an open mic once with Mitch Hedberg. And Mitch uh, did, uh, I think we each had five minutes, so Mitch did three minutes, and then he pulled out a, 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 a sheet that he had ripped from a legal pad, and he said, these are, these are some jokes that I just wrote that I want to try out right now. And he started with the first one that just kind of went, missed. <laughs> and then he tried the second one, missed the mark again. Mm-hmm. Some girl... In the oh, back, God. and this is the most out of character Mitch story you'll ever hear. Some girl in the back of the room said, "Try the back of the paper." Oh! <laughs> and Mitch looked out. It was so disruptive the way this woman yelled it out that Mitch looked in the back of the room to where that voice was coming from, flipped over the paper, and said, "Oh yeah, the back of the paper says, tell that cunt in the corner to shut the fuck up." <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Never Whoa. heard Mitch act like that at before or since. But yeah, yeah, that's a crap. I, I don't want to uh, get derailed though, because Tom was starting to say uh, he said that his two favorites that he got to talk to were Don Rickles and Roddy Dangerfield. You started to say there were two guys who come up in the category of least favorite or just did or missed yeah. their mark on the show. And you started to say one of them was a guy who used to be on SNL and his name was Rich something. You Rich, can't remember his last name. 
Was it Rich Hall? Yeah, there was a guy named Rich Hall. Yeah, yeah. I, that was actually my second guess was Rich Hall. Oh, he said before I was thinking maybe you're thinking Rob Schneider because I know he has that reputation. No, no, but what Rob's happened with Rich Hall? Rich Hall came in. He sat in the studio, and the whole time he was on the air, he didn't say a word. He read the newspaper. Get out loud or no. Or, he just wow. sat there reading the newspaper. He wouldn't even look up. Oh. Like, okay, that's mm. really great. That's that's wonderful. Why wow. waste everybody's time? Why wow. show up? Joe from Louisville just texted me, but this guy, well, he's trying to do comedy. He doesn't qualify as a comedian, but Jeremy Piven is the biggest prick I've ever met in my I've life. I've heard that from a few people. Because oh, Jeremy Piven right now is yeah. going to comedy clubs all over the yes, United States. Is, is right. he really? And he's, doing, he's, he's making himself available for uh, radio interviews to yes. promote these gigs. But he's terrible. And I'm hearing that from well, radio people all over the country. He's trying to salvage his reputation, I'm guessing. Maybe. Well, and not doing a good job of it. Yeah. Well, let's put it this way. Like, Craig Gas comes to town, and your opening act is Catherine, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So you're both in studio. Yep. So I'm interviewing both of you. I'm not going to leave somebody. Just ignore them. Right. Yep. At the end, he stands up and goes, you know, maybe you should interview me because I'm the star. <gasps> Get out of here! Oh. No! Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no! Don't you know who I am? Oh, my God. Oh, that is a bummer. (laughs) I told him, I'll give you a head start, and then I'm coming after you. Oh, (laughs) What a jerk. Wow, that is Uh, a bummer. And the other guy that was a complete pain in the ass was a guy named Colin Kane, I think was his name. (laughs) You know what's weird? I've heard this from another radio guy, and I can't remember where, but but there was at least one other person who said to me, I didn't like Colin Kane. It was terrible. Really? After I interviewed him... He went to the airport, got on the plane, and left town. He never even did the weekend. Really? No, he just he blew it. For, I don't know. The guy, he said, you know, uh, I don't feel like being funny today. And I said, so far, you're doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> I agree with you. We're you're playing not, ball. Not funny in the least. But he went on and on and on about how he, uh, he doesn't usually do radio. And I just, you know, uh-huh. I get so many people to show up just going on Twitter. I don't need radio. And I, but, and I said, why would you come in here then? I don't really understand. And he, I said, get lost. So he got up and went to the airport and flew back home. Never wow. made the period. Rick Brown's house of comedy. I, <laughs> I don't understand that. And I, I don't, I don't understand, either. I don't understand how, how, uh, how that perception happened where people thought, well, radio is a certain style of radio. There's only one style. And they, and they describe what used to be called the morning zoo style yeah, of yeah. radio, which... Um, you know, I'm a fan of radio. I love radio, but I also do something that lends itself so perfectly to radio oh, that, God, yeah, that I can do voices and I can do, you know, just to reset the clock on this, this is a. Uh, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, I've always been able to do any voice that I hear because of how I grew up. My whole family is deaf. And growing up in a deaf family, I couldn't learn how to talk for my family. Right. I learned how to talk by copying all the voices I heard on TV. And when someone like Tom understands when I say to him, can I come on during Super Bowl week and just come in as a bunch of different celebrities it was saying awful things. And Tom said, that would be great. Yeah. And he understands that everyone's going to be driving going, oh, holy 
Of course they're here. It's the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> of here. Everybody thought they were all in studio. Yeah, the, that Tracy oh, Morgan great. was in the studio. And, and I'm trying to give it Walker. away. I'm trying to show my hand by saying, well, you know, Tom says, what are you going to be doing in New Hope, Tracy Morgan? Uh, well, I'm hanging out <laughs> with, with Craig Gass. Craig doing a comedy show inside New Hope. I'm going to be in the parking lot making a porno. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to see comedy? Go inside the New Hope Cinema Grill. You want to be in a movie called Men in Back? Come out <laughs> to the white handy van in the parking lot and bring your own shoehorn. <laughs> and people showed up to the club looking for a white handy van oh, in the parking lot. Yes, Christopher Walken, I was saying. And then, I, and I, I already said this on the air on KQ a couple days ago, but one of the voices I did, the driving, I just feel comfortable doing the voice, was of Tom Arnold, uh, who has a history here in Minneapolis. He and does. as Tom Arnold... I spent uh, the entire broadcast going, man. You know, uh, all these uh, celebrities uh, coming into town. It's. Uh, I was actually at a cocaine anonymous meeting last night uh, with Fran Tarkenton. I know this is hard to believe, but Fran loves crack cocaine. I probably shouldn't say that out loud, but Fran loves crack, and his sponsor is uh, is uh, is uh, O.J. Simpson, who's you know addicted to murdering people, and uh, you know whatever. And I I kept naming any sports guy I could think of off the top of my head, and putting them in a cocaine anonymous meeting in an alcoholic anonymous meeting in a sex addicts meeting and uh after we got done with that broadcast the real tom arnold got flooded with angry tweets saying hey a-hole it's supposed to be anonymous how about you keep your mouth shut and tom arnold fought everybody and said hey uh did you notice that Sam Kinison was on the air. That guy's been dead for 20 years, you moron. That's a comedian. His name's Craig Gass, and he's performing at New Hope, you jerk. And uh, oh, and I loved Fantastic. it. And I love doing, I, I, you know, I would actually like to come back and do that. You know, if you had time at the end of this week, I'd love to come in and do more of that. That is so oh, much should. fun. Yeah, you absolutely to, to just come in and, and just come on as characters that can, they don't have to be the focus of the whatever the the each break is about mm -hmm. they can just be in the background chiming in on all the stories and everything that's being discussed and everybody can take their own angle anything you say gene simmons will say i can make money off that Any, <laughs> anything that, I have uh, made money off that anything that you're discussing yeah. on the air tracy morgan can come in and go i can have sex with that you know, it's like everybody can have their own angle of how they respond to everything so i love, love radio for that but um i do too it's uh it is fascinating to me how many people misunderstand the the power that radio has and um, yeah it still does too. Yeah. it's pretty amazing yeah and it's uh and also by the way when i mentioned that era of radio where it was drugs it was, everywhere yeah. like how do you how did you survive that era i didn't do drugs ever Never. I was not. I smoked a little pot. That was about it. And I was, was never a cocaine guy. Even in the record business, it was everywhere. Really? But I had the thing about that was weird about the, the record business is, is the drinking did get out of control. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Because you would come into a party like Boz Skaggs was in town one time. I got a call. Hey, Boz having a deal at his uh, at his hotel suite. So come on over. And I went over there, and I walk in. They said, "What, what do you want to drink?" And I said. Oh, no, excuse me. I was on the phone still, and they said, well, what, what do you want to drink? I said, yeah, just a couple of Heineken would be good. I get there, and the entire tub is full of Heineken. Really? And it's not just we'll get a six-pack. It's like fill the thing up, and I'm the only one that was drinking it. I mean, it's like, you know, <laughs> like, okay, well. I didn't drink at all. 
Ah, oh, dude. <laughs> Wait, a social responsibility. Man. But yeah, it was a different era, man. And did you did you end up working with people who struggled with addictions and that? Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. But, and then and and they were just. I think that people like me who have that personality are just different than other people yeah. who, who don't understand it. And it's amazing. There there was a guy. In Fort Myers, Florida, that I met years ago when I first got clean, mm-hmm. um, I had a heart attack. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. really? That'll do it. Yeah. I think that, I should slow down. Well, and, oh, and here's, How old are you? I was 32 when I had the heart attack. Wow. And then, uh, and here's the really ridiculous thing. I got sober on the two-year anniversary of my heart attack. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I, the, the heart attack scared me straight for a long time. Yeah. I was in a really uh, unhealthy relationship with this crazy, crazy girl, and I relapsed to get back at her. Stupid. Um, and, uh, and then I got, on the two-year anniversary, a light bulb came on. Wow. And sadly, by the way, in that first year that I got clean, you know, that was, I lost seven of my friends. Seven. Uh, seven oh, seven oh my of my God. friends died in the first year that I got clean. All comedians. Well, that's sobering. Four drug overdoses and three drinking and driving car accidents. Yeah. And that, yeah. your the, the sobering is the perfect word because each one of those deaths, Mitch was the first. Yeah. Each one of those deaths made me go, wow, I, I can't really turn around now. But there was a guy in Fort Myers. Who I met, uh, who I'd heard, he, he had, a, he had a, a huge reputation for being a very popular local radio show host. Okay. He was also a popular uh, drug addict. Uh, it, was, it was known that he struggled with drug addiction. And by the time I got to this show, it was two of the three guys that used to be apparently this powerhouse show that used mm-hmm. to dominate the ratings in Fort Myers, Florida. Right. And I became fast friends with these two guys. And they told me, man, if you think this show is fun, we're missing our captain. Uh, this guy, he was the, he's the mayor of this town. Everybody loves him, but unfortunately, he's got some problems with drugs. I also had problems at the time, so um, I didn't make any judgment about it. And then I came back a couple years later and found out that this guy was now clean and sober. And oh, good. and I was newly sober. I think I was three or four months sober at the time, and I met the guy, and. He and I bonded, and he actually gave me a book and wrote a little inscription on it and said, I, I think it helped me. I think this book will help you. And I was really happy to meet him. Uh, I felt a strong connection to him. And uh, a year later, uh, these guys were given a second chance at life. They used to be the big morning show in town, mm-hmm. but by the time this this captain of the team came back, right. they were put on afternoon drive. Oh, yeah. And But they were doing so well that they were moved to mornings. And apparently the numbers jumped as soon as they started. And they started crushing in Fort Myers again. And after the first book that came out that showed their numbers were great, the guy disappeared. No one saw him for five or six days. Couldn't reach him by phone. Couldn't, you know. Uh, Apparently one of the co-hosts on the show actually went to a drug dealer's house. Ooh. And threatened the guy's life and said, "If I see my buddy here, I'm I'm coming after you. I know I know you got something to do with this." And uh, he finally called in and said, "Hey guys, sorry, I I messed up. I'm I'm back on drugs again." And he was dead within a month or two oh. after oh, that. God. And um and he died on the day 
that I got one year clean. Wow. And uh, I went to Florida. I found out where he was, uh, where he was buried. And I put my coin yeah, you're, in you're the ground. Silver coin? Yeah, yeah, in the ground. That's a yeah. great idea. Yeah, and because uh, <clears throat> he helped me. He helped me get to right. where I needed to go. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin, is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. It's amazing how many talented people that you will meet in life, in radio, in comedy, who you go, man, this guy's on his way. But they can't get out of their own no, way. No doubt about that. Drugs. Anything. They just, you know, maybe a lack of motivation, a lack of focus. They can't get out of their own way. Well, I think part of that might be, like, remember the first time or the first week you walked out on uh, on stage and saw, you know, several hundred people, and you go, they're here to see me. Yeah. That's a hell of an impact on a human being, man. Sure. You walk out and go, they're all here to see me, and it, it does bother you a lot. Yep. You're like, why do I? Well, well, you start questioning yourself. Well, the pressure. But that's a real thing. Pressure, but Tom is also bringing up something that's that's a really good point. I was always aware of what people thought. You know, there, when when you hear somebody who says you know they don't like you, or through other friends, you find out somebody doesn't like you for one reason or another. And if three or four of your friends look at you and go, "Man, that that guy really hates you," then that guy probably hates you. Yeah. Right. And then to see because something changed in my life. That person now wants to be my friend. We'll just roll through. Okay. We'll throw the, we can do that, can we, Cassie? Just roll through to 30 and then edit in mm-hmm. the... Okay, good. Just keep going. That's cool. Sorry. Years later to... to <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Uh, years later to find out that the same person who, for whatever reason, doesn't like you as a person, now right, wants to be right. your friend. Yeah. You sit yeah. there and go, well, wait a second. I, I, I know you don't like me. But now, because I'm doing really well in this area of my life, you want to hang out with me. Yeah. And I would have people that, again, I know they don't like me. I've heard the stories. They never approached me. They were never friendly to me. And I would hear through the grapevine, well, that guy doesn't like you for this reason or that reason. And that person would years later come to me and go, man, I am so proud of you, man. I I was telling my girlfriend, hey, I've known that guy (laughs) since the beginning. It's a different deal. And and I knew, man, I'm so proud of you, man. I'm so happy for you. You know, you have people that you just, and you just, you do start to question like, man, this is weird because I know you're not being sincere. I know you don't like me. 
So it does mess with you when you wonder, like, you know, why are these people here to see me? Your own insecurities come to the surface about, you know... I've actually oh, talked yeah. to Louis Anderson about this a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, about sometimes when you, you you can sometimes not feel good about yourself and be standing on stage in front of a crowd of people that are just laughing and, mm-hmm. and cheering. And then, you know, for whatever reason, you might feel something inside that just doesn't line up with that. But, um, but now, it seems like a lot of comedians have a lot of, you know, issues. Yeah. In, they're insecure. Yeah. They're this way. I think you have to give some people just some latitude because, like you said, if maybe they were doing a lot of drugs when they met you and you're sober and they're mm-hmm. jealous of your sobriety. Yeah. It could be anything. Yeah, I think over time, I have I mean, I'm a pretty happy person for no other reason than the fact that I, my, my compass has always been set to, we're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, yeah. knowing that has always kept me deeply appreciative for little things in life, friendships, uh, a good meal with a friend yeah, or a couple friends that you care about, laughter, uh, sunsets. Uh, there, there's just little things that I appreciate so much about life. And even bad moments in life, I just find a way. And maybe it's because I grew up in a deaf family and, and we learned how to laugh at the... Uh, at that handicap. You were telling me what your oh, sister yeah. said. It was hilarious. My sister. I should explain that both your parents and your sister were deaf. Yes. And the way it happened is my mom was born completely deaf from a birth defect. My dad was born with all of his hearing, lost it as a kid. He got into an accident that popped out his eardrums. He had, oh, he had to go to deaf schools for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. So he met my mom at an all-deaf high school in New York. They had my sister first. My sister's born with my mom's genes, completely deaf. And then I'm born with my dad's genes, with all my hearing. So I'm the only one in my family who can hear. Uh, and uh, there's a couple of interesting things that happened there. Number one, true, being yeah. the only person that could hear, I ended up being the interpreter for my mom for her divorce. Oh, God. <laughs> when I was oh, four years old. Uh, and I, four? I was four. And, and oh, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, I didn't go to court with my mom. This was uh, when she had to talk to lawyers. Deaf people now have a have this um, way to communicate with the outside world where they use something yeah. called a relay service. They contact a relay service, and it's an operator who can contact the outside world and vice versa. But before that, she had someone in the house who could hear, and she'd say, I need you to make these phone calls for me. And I'm four years old getting this huge vocabulary lesson, plus my mom is standing on top of me going, tell him your father's a son of a bitch. And I was like, hey, you got him. Screw this guy. I'll help you, mom. And, uh, uh, but my sister, uh, I always say, like, people get sensitive when I talk about growing up in a deaf family. Meanwhile, the most insensitive deaf jokes I've ever heard were from my own deaf family. My sister last year, I threw my sister a surprise birthday party, and uh, which you can argue Everything to deaf people is a surprise. <laughs> but I threw a surprise birthday party for my sister. At dinner, my sister is sitting across the table from me. She's signing to me in, in sign language. And she says, do you want to hear a good joke? And I said, sure. <laughs> and then she said, me too. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> what the hell? Like, 
oh my god and I remember saying to her like that's a good joke and she went yeah that old deaf joke like, she thought it was like a hacky deaf joke and I went no that's a great joke, like, a great joke. but I've always been somebody who appreciates uh, even failures in life because I know that failures are great lessons and I personally get a huge kick out of bad shows even hearing about a bad show you know like I, I did a show once in Oklahoma was it yeah, it was Oklahoma City. I had a guy opening for me in Oklahoma City who, he's on stage, and I can tell there's something going on on this side of the stage that this guy is distracted by. He keeps, he's doing his set, but he keeps looking down, and then finally he just stopped and went, ma'am, am, am I that ugly that you won't even look at me? <laughs> there you goes, go. Well, I mean, she won't even look me in the face. Like, what are you, freaking blind or something? Oh, God. Oh, are you blind? Oh, my God. And the whole crowd freezes. And the guy makes one of the biggest rookie mistakes. He tries to go back into his act uh, and says, oh. so you guys ever go to Walmart? And went, who cares about Walmart? You made fun of a blind woman. He goes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nobody's laughing except for me oh, and two no. other comedians in the back who are laughing our asses At off. At the situation. Yeah. yeah. I, I think my favorite bombing story, unfortunately, didn't happen to me. It happened to Dane Cook. Um, I feel like I heard it drop in the audio. Can you still hear me okay? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, Dane Cook had a story about a club we all started at in New York. It was in New York, but it was called the Boston Comedy Club. It was, it's actually featured on the TV show Crashing now on HBO. And Dane had an amazing story about being on stage one night on a Tuesday night at 1.30 in the morning. He's performing for six people. Oh. Oh, it's God. everyone in this room is six the comedy crowd. People. Oh, six wow. people. One of the six people, it should be noted, had all of their groceries on the table. <laughs> because people walk by in front of the comedy club. Hey, comedy show, come on, comedy show, no cover. And the guy, like, hey, I got my groceries. I'll help you with the groceries. Come on, look at this. Here, just two drink minimum. Come on, like, you know. So the bouncer helps this guy with his shopping bags and puts it on the table and lets the guy sit down and watch the comedy show. Dane Cook is bombing. He's got no energy from this crowd one of the audience members who is hammered gets up starts stumbling to the restroom closes the door and starts violently vomiting in the bathroom <laughs> oh to where the other five people in the room are are they can't watch Dane. They're, they're worried about this guy because they keep hearing uh, uh, and then the noise finally stops there's a pause before they hear <laughs> the toilet flushes. The guy comes back out, starts stumbling back over to his seat. Dane is just standing on stage watching him, and he goes, "Are you okay? <laughs> are you? Are, do you feel okay? Are you?" And the guy goes, "Oh no, I just, I had some bad comedy." And everyone goes, oh, "Yeah!" <laughs> the crowd starts high fiving each other. The guy with the groceries is throwing his groceries in the air. <laughs> just owned him they just wow. owned him and i just oh my god if you can't laugh at that and go yeah. you know what that's just an awesome moment that, that was, you know i a great comeback you have to enjoy moments like that so i i think the name of this episode should be craig never shuts up this is uh and no, I, I think it's a great segment i i apologize you know, while you were talking about you know radio and people in radio and, and all that stuff we were talking, you were talking about that. While you were talking about that, I got a bunch of text messages. Uh-oh. Uh, the, the program director sends me 
free text messages. Uh oh. Because the book just came out. The spring book just came out. Awesome. Woohoo. Fuck yeah. <laughs> wow. Then I get another one from the sales department. Nice month. <laughs> really? It's like nothing will ever change, They'll, man. Yeah, your sales department will never kiss wait, your butt. Wait a minute. You don't have a 100 share? What's no the problem? What. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's yeah. really amazing the different uh, – and I'm always obsessed with those mechanics and all those uh, – uh, different things going on behind the scenes, which is why I love hearing stories about right. beyond what I listen to on the radio. What is your perspective? What, what what did you wish you had more of from one guy or another? And and who came in and blew your socks off that really knew how right. to, you know? I mean, the stories about Rodney, uh, Norm McDonald had an amazing story that was similar to yours about just seeing him show up one night, except that Norm was at the improv the day that... Rodney Dangerfield got married. Rodney actually went from his wedding in a tux to the improv to do a set. And, and I wish I could remember the entire bit that he did because Norm described it. But I just remember the first line. So Rodney walks in with his bride wearing a wedding dress. They go, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he just straight from his wedding Please welcome Rodney Dangerfield. The place goes nuts. He's got his tux. And he goes, yeah, I just got married. The whole place is going crazy. And he goes, yeah, this, this is my wife right there. Give her a round of applause. And, and his wife stands up in her gown and waves. Everybody's cheering. And then as the applause starts to go down, Rodney goes, yeah, but she's no prize. <laughs> he starts bagging on her. And it was like, oh, my God. Like, he just still... Stuck to being a comedian, he was still gonna yeah. make jokes, and he just made, he just bagged on her for twenty minutes and about his marriage. We got a minute to go, but I got to tell you a thirty second story, Please. and then we'll do the closer. Jeff Cesario, yes, walking down the street with Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> in New York. Okay, right, Seinfeld Cesario walking down the street, they run into Rodney Dangerfield, and <laughs> Seinfeld says, "Rodney, I, I want to introduce you to." An, New young man in comedy does a great job. He's wonderful. Meet Jeff Cesario, and Rodney says, "Cesario, huh? <laughs> Stick to the tumbling. Need <laughs> 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 to be an acrobat." That's <laughs> one of the greatest stories I've ever heard in my life. Oh my god! In my life, Craig Gas, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen, Thursday night the show at New Hope Cinema Grill. Friday and Saturday two shows, seven and nine o'clock. And then what's showtime up in uh, Red Carpet and St. Cloud on Sunday? I want to say it's 7 p.m. on Sunday, 7 or 7.30, and all the info's at getgas.com. Get gas with two S's. And uh, there may be some celebrities in Minneapolis who might be stopping by your show later this week. Who uh, who think, knows? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, with the big celebration of the month of June. Sure. With summer arriving. Flag yeah. day's coming up. That's when everybody wants to be <laughs> yeah, here. Flag day wants, yeah. here for flag day. Oh, man. Nobody brings in more celebrities than flag day. <laughs> we'll talk to you tomorrow with the family.